welcome to the Badass Breastfeeding Podcast. This is Diane, your lactation consultant. And I'm Abby, the Badass Breastfeeder. And today's episode is brought to you by the Motif Luna Breast Pump. The Motif Luna Breast Pump is covered by insurance and proven to provide more milk in less time. And today's episode is also brought to you by Fair Haven Health. The Milkies Softies nursing pads are three pairs of soft, absorbent, and reusable nursing pads to protect against leaks. But we will hear more from our sponsors later. If you ever need anything, please head to our sponsor page at badassbreastfeedingpodcast.com. See if you can give them any of your business because they make this podcast possible. And while you're there, scroll down and enter your email address and we will send episodes straight to your inbox every week. And you could check out our shop page with our cool merchandise designs. And we are on Patreon and we really want to see you there. We are having lots of fun. We have um, mini podcasts ad-free episodes. We have we've been having these like live hangouts that are they were advertised as Q&As, but that's really not what's happening. Like we're on Zoom, we're all there, we're hanging out, we're talking about Yeah, life it's more of a hangout. Yeah. yeah, it is. I think we have to change that in the benefit like description. Um and it's fun. I think it's working out really well. And uh, we also are going to be having our revolution parenting, or we are having our revolution parenting episodes over there. Remember that podcast that we had that we advertised and then we didn't, then we did for a while and then we stopped. Um, <laughs> Remember that one? Yeah. Uh, so we just had those episodes. We weren't doing the podcast anymore and we were like, what do we do with this? And so we decided to put them in there as like an extra benefit. And there's all kinds of benefits. So please check those out. They're at the very top link under the, uh, wherever you're listening from, in the note section. And you can also find it at um, Badass Breastfeeding Podcast at, no, badassbreastfeedingpodcast.com. And we're still doing our ongoing giveaway. Please send us screenshots of your reviews around the internet along with your address and we'll send you a goodie bag of uh, Badass Breastfeeding Podcast stickers and thank you for nursing in public cards. You can email that to be at badassbreastfeedingpodcast at gmail.com. And I have one more thing. Um, uh, Somebody reached out to a listener, one of our faithful listeners, reached out to me over Instagram after the trying to conceive while breastfeeding episode. And it was last week. Yeah. 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 Right. Last Monday or something. I think so. Yeah. yeah. And uh, she had come across, I'm just going to read her message. She has this information that she wants to make sure all the badasses have. She says, uh, the recent episode on conceiving during breastfeeding was very interesting for me, for me because I got my period back after 25 months. My toddler, two and a half years old, is still being nursed. I was worried ever since he was since he turned 18 months and many fellow lactating mothers told me to go check for thyroid issues, but I was feeling excellent. No signs of thyroid issues, except that I was five kilos lighter than I was pre-pregnancy. I was eating normally and not under any diet. Then I found a podcast featuring Dr. Claudia Valegia. I'm sorry. I'm sure I didn't say that right. It's a period podcast. I think it's called period podcast. So episode 18, she talks about um, until the baby can walk, who 
suggested that there's a link between consistent weight gain over a few months and the return of the period. So I intentionally ate high carbs for meals for a few months and gained weight. About three months after seeing gradual weight gain, I got my period back. Perhaps that energy surplus was needed to kickstart my cycle again. And she puts a link here to the study that um, this is from. And I just wanted you guys to have that information. If you are underweight, or I don't know, I don't want to say underweight. If you're if that could be a situation that you're in, or if you want to just read this research study, if you um, are interested, then we'll have it for you. That is really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So that was really great of her to share that. Yeah. Yes. Thank you so much. Because um, I didn't know any of that. And uh, yeah, if that's a situation people are in, then certainly that might. Yeah. And that's just another help. resource for people too. you know, yeah. to to be able to listen to that podcast if they are oh yeah kind of in period that place podcast. i guess it's all about period, your period. <laughs> that's wild that's cool oh my gosh uh, okay well so now diane has our review of the week Yes, this is. I started listening when I was three months postpartum. At that point, I was hoping to make it to six months breastfeeding, but was struggling with wanting my body to be mine again. All of the you can't do this while breastfeeding was taking a toll. After listening to several episodes of Abby and Diane dispelling all of the crap that's out there, I knew I could easily make it to six months. The more I listened to that, quickly turned to 12 months. My son will be one in a couple of weeks. And we will be continuing our breastfeeding journey until it's no longer working for one of us. Thank you so much, Abby and Diane. Without your guidance, I would not have made it this long and would have missed out on one of the most amazing experiences I've experienced in my life. Oh, my God. That's so awesome. It is very awesome. And um, we have had many people that have said, you know, that they kind of put that limit on, okay, I'll go to this far. I'll go this far. I'll go to three months. I'll go to six months. And some people have said it's, it's good to give yourself goals, right? It's good to give yourself these goals and, you know, try to see, you know, get to this goal. Once you're there, kind of reassess and get to the next goal. And I love the fact that some of the information she was learning helped her to continue on. And I think that's really important. Yeah. I think a lot of times those goals, at least for the goal for me came from just expecting to fail. It's like, oh, if I could Ugh. just make it, if I could just make it this far, if I can just make it that far, then I'll call myself satisfied. Yeah. But then when you realize that really you can go as long as you want, it's so much, it really takes the pressure off. You're like, okay, mm-hmm. I understand now that this can go on for as long as, like she said, until no longer works for one of us. Right, right. That's I cool. Mean, that's, yeah. So thank you so much for that. And we are going to talk today about normal newborn behaviors. We are. And we have an abundance of information between the two of us. Oh, my God. Yeah, I don't yeah. even know. Like, Apparently I was writing newborns. down. Jeez. <laughs> I was writing down stuff last night and I was like, I am all over the place. I know. I don't even know. Like, it's so much stuff. We have so much to talk about. We do. Um, why don't you just want you hit your first note? Okay. So. La, la, la. I have stuff about crying. I have stuff about like reflexes. I have stuff about body movements, um, milestones. Um, All right. So maybe we'll talk about crying because I think that is something that people like 
throws them off, right? Like it throws everybody off. Yeah. Because we don't know. Like, what is normal? Right. And then we're like, okay, what, you know, what are they crying for? Are they crying because they're hungry all the time? Because that's what parents always think, right? They always think they're crying because they're hungry all the time. Yep. Mm -hmm. And that's, or somebody's telling you that they're crying because they're hungry. But that is not always the case. So they actually have this and they talked like one of the things that I was, I was watching or, you know, kind of reading and looking into was colic. And I know we have an episode on colic or, you know, colic, whatever with the, like with the quotes, but um, cry, there's actually like stages of crying and there is mm. something that's called the crying curve. And that will, that is like your baby starts kind of at this mode where they go from like doing not much crying at all to doing a lot of crying over a certain amount of time, like certain weeks where you might see more crying and you might see that crying escalate over certain weeks and then it comes back down again. But it's different for every baby. So basically the low crier, we call it the low crier, will cry from 10 minutes to 60 minutes a day. And that is a baby who really just does not cry much at all. And you're only seeing like, you know, small amounts of crying or whatever. Average which crying. Is like, which is like a a personality trait. Right. You right. Know, it's yeah, just like would, there, some babies are just super mellow. Yeah, absolutely. Average. Now this is average crying. 1.2 hours a day, but peaks at just over two hours a day. That's your average baby. Colic. Increases at two to three weeks, peaks at six to eight weeks, and it's about 1.5 to 3.5 hours a day. Extended colic is that that's like the highest crier for the longer time. It's like two hours a day, peaks at five hours a day, and that's not as common to see. The excess crying, like excessive crying of infants is only about 20%, which might sound like a lot, but um, that is your baby that cries like you know, like several hours a day. So one of the things with the crying, so let's talk about like the crying curve piece. So in the first two weeks of the baby's life, they're really not crying much at all. They cry for like needs and they're easily soothed. And this is usually like when I see a lot of, not always when I see parents, but I will see a lot of parents in that first, you know, like first week or so of their, of the baby's life. And they'll say things to me like, oh my gosh, the baby's so good. They only cry when they're hungry because that's what, or they only cry when they need to be changed and then they're just happy all the time or they're just sleeping or whatever. That is what you see in those first two weeks. You get a baby that cries because they just need, they have a need and you fulfill that need for them. And then they stop crying. But that's not how it stays. And that's usually what I tell parents. I usually tell them, expect that crying to increase right around the two-week mark. You might find them getting a little bit fussier around that two-week mark. And that is really, really normal. That is just normal baby behavior is that we see that that crying start to increase a little bit. It gets louder too. Like they're getting stronger. Those cries mm-hmm. are going to get more intense. I remember the. I remember Jack crying on his very like, first, like second day of life and my dad was standing there and he's like, well, that's not even annoying. <laughs> it was just like, oh, yeah, you could barely hear him. Yeah. That changed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, because you're right. They get stronger. From three to eight weeks, so we've got the first two weeks, they're just crying for their needs. Three to eight weeks, that crying increases, and it seems a little bit more random 
right? Like it, you'd be like, what is going on? Why is the baby crying? You know, like you're, they're changed, they're fed. Like, and this is kind of where you get that, oh, they must still be hungry. Um, but it, that crying could just be random too. It's, it's not necessarily meant for anything. And you can see, you see more of that crying in the afternoon and the evening. And I know we've talked about that, like that, um, you know, that cluster feeding, the witching hour. Yeah. A lot of people call call it the witching hour. For some people, it goes more towards like the overnight period, but every baby has their time where they're a little bit fussier. They might do some cluster feeding during that time. They might be super fussy. A lot of it is based on overstimulation too, which we're going to talk about that because that's a normal newborn behavior as well that everybody needs to be um, aware of. Nine to 15 weeks that crying. Now we're on the other side of the curve. The up of the curve is at three to eight weeks. That's our up part of the curve. The nine to 15 is the other side of the curve where the crying is more routine. They're like, the crying isn't more routine. The baby's in more of a routine. You might be in more of a feeding routine. The baby might be sleeping a little bit better or it might be sleeping a little bit longer overnight. Um, baby's a little bit happier. They're crying less. Um, it might be sudden, um, but they are crying less overall once you hit that other side of the curve. So that is very, very normal. And like we said, this could be different for everybody. For some people, the crying might be more intense. For some babies, it might be a little bit less, but they find that that babies do kind of work along this curve. Now, there's also something that's called the Dunstan baby language. Have you ever heard of this? No. Where the babies, they like, this was like research-based and I'm going to put something I've, I, I did come, there's a lot of research studies on it, but um, there's one that I'm going to just pop into our, our show notes because it talks about this too, where babies actually have a very distinct sound that they make based on what they need. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't know it was called that, but yeah. Yeah. Um, it's called, it's, based on somebody who whoever like you know recognizes happening priscilla dunstan or something like that whoever decided it (laughs) (laughs) so they all make like these different five there's five sounds for distinctive need and they're like hunger and burping and gas um discomfort like if they're hot or cold or wet and for sleepiness so you can like kind of look for this or listen for this and know, oh, okay, no, my baby isn't hungry. They're just sleepy right now. You know, like that kind of a thing. And that can be super helpful. And the research that they've done with this has shown that parents are a lot more confident with their babies and recognizing what their cry means when they listen for these noises. So the first one, the hunger need is like a neh. Like a nah noise, like your baby be going nah nah before they start crying. The mm. upper wind, the they call it the upper wind, but the burping would be like a eh sound, kind of like they're uh, you know, like it's coming out of their chest kind of thing, and mm. that is a for a burp. The lower gas is like a ear, where it's like even when you try to make that sound, you can feel it coming out of your out of your gut, you know, like it's like a uh, yeah. noise. Um, for discomfort, heh, for discomfort. And for sleepiness, it's just an owl. Like you're almost like you're yawning, <laughs> like making a yawning noise. 
And those noises, and like I said, I'm going to put this stuff in the show notes so you can kind of like look at it yourself and, you know, play around with your baby and see if you can kind of recognize that they're making these noises. And then you can know like, oh, okay, this is what they need right now. You know, if they're doing it like before a cry. So do you want to do some of yours? Uh, Well, yeah. Why don't I do a couple and then take a break? Okay. Mine are not like super long like that. Just um, like, you know, categories and and shit. (laughs) Um, uh, I just, I just said things like, um, you know, things that people worry about if they're fussy after, after being fed, like you feed them and they're still fussy. People are like, oh my God, I'm not making enough milk. Something's wrong. Mm. That's not necessarily true. They could be tired. The, the, the whole point of this is going to be also that maybe they're just fussy. Babies are fussy. Mm-hmm. They're just fussy. And we don't know why they're just fussy because, you know, they just got here. You know, exactly. we're fussy. I've been here for like decades and I'm still <laughs> fussy about it. <laughs> yeah. um, constantly feeding, like constantly, you know, the constant feeding of a newborn. Um, they just have really small stomachs and the breast milk is really easily digestible and they find comfort in the sucking. And so the fact that they're on your breast all the time and seem like they're nursing all the time, that is very, very normal. Wanting to be held all the time is very normal. Fussing when you put them down. That was a big thing for me. I thought something was wrong. Mm-hmm. Every time I put him jack down, he was fussing and I thought something's wrong. But it's not. They don't want to be. They don't want to be put down. They don't want to be put down. And I can remember telling a family that once. I'm like, the baby was crying, and I'm like, pick him up. And the dad picked up the baby up and stopped crying. He put the baby down. She started crying. Picked her up. And he goes, that is wild. And like, they don't want to be put is down. They, no. they don't feel safe. No. They don't feel safe. No, there's they. Yeah, they want to be at your chest. That's what they want. And they're going to be fussy when they're not, unless mm-hmm. you have one of those super mellow babies. And that's just luck. Um, But why don't we take a break? Yes. And then we'll be back in a moment. Today's episode is brought to you by Motif. Are you in search of the perfect pump for your breastfeeding days? The Motif Luna breast pump is covered by insurance and proven to provide more milk in less time. The Motif Luna is lightweight, sleek, quiet, and customizable, so you can quickly find what works best for you and your baby. The Luna also features a backlit LCD screen, built-in nightlight, closed system, quiet motor, and auto shutoff. And the battery-powered model gives you even more freedom and flexibility with a rechargeable battery that lasts over two hours. In a third-party study, five out of six moms reported more milk in less time than the leading pump brands. The expression mode works to express milk from the breast as efficiently as possible, while the massage mode would stimulate letdown by mimicking baby's natural nursing pattern. Get ready to make your pumping days easier with the Motif Luna. Head to Motif Medical, that's M-O-T-I-F medical.com and use code B-A-B-F-23 for 15% off of your purchase. And today's episode is also brought to you by Fairhaven Health. Leaking can be a constant struggle that some parents deal with, especially in those early months. Leaking through your shirt is not another hassle you want to be dealing with. And those disposable nursing pads add up in cost and garbage, and they don't work very well. 
The Milky's Softies nursing pads are designed to keep you dry and comfortable. These pads are three layers, a natural fiber layer against your skin that wicks moisture away and is soft enough to wear even with sore nipples. Then an inner ultra-absorbent layer, and finally a microbe leak-resistant layer on the outside. The Milky Softies nursing pads is contoured to your body so it doesn't look or feel bulky in your bra. The box comes with three pairs of these reusable and machine washable nursing pads. Check out Milky's Softies nursing pads at Fairhaven Health. That's F-A-I-R-H-A-V-E-N health.com and use code BADASS for 15% off of your purchase. And our sponsors and their promo codes can be found in the show notes under this episode, wherever you're listening from, and also at badassbreastfeedingpodcast.com. At badassbreastfeedingpodcast.com, you'll also find all of our other episodes and information about scheduling a very own one-on-one online lactation consultation with Diane. So there's definitely some stuff I wanted to kind of feed off of what you were saying. Mm -hmm. So one of the things, too, is if your baby is fussy, think about where you are in the age of your baby. Like, are you, is you're like, oh my gosh, my baby right now is so fussy. How old is your baby? Is your baby four weeks old? You're right in the middle of that crying curve going up. You know, like that is, that is normal. Then you know, okay, this is, this is kind of normal for us. Um, One of the other things that I see too, a lot of times is that like babies will, they're nursing, they're comfortable, they're safe, they're cozy. We know that when they're nursing, that's like where they want to be. And they, a lot of times they do fall asleep. That is very normal. I have a lot of parents that are like, oh my God, the baby falls asleep every time they're feeding. That is a very normal thing. And they'll, you know, they'll kind of fall asleep. You'll leave them there. Maybe you've got like a breastfeeding pillow or something and you just kind of like leave them there. They're sleeping and then you want to get up and change a diaper or you want to get up and move or something. You don't want to be like, you know, a lot of people call it nap trapped or kind of like trapped, you know, with the baby. You get up. Maybe you change the diaper, you, you know, swaddle the baby again, or you put the baby down somewhere else. And now the baby's awake again and needs to resettle. So they will start to cry. But what I would always hear from, from parents would be like, well, I go to change their diaper after they, you know, after a feeding, because a lot of times babies will poop during the feeding or whatever and say, okay, I went to go change the baby's diaper. And now the baby's rooting and crying and they must not have eaten enough and they're still hungry. No, that is your baby needing to soothe again because now they've escalated again. They were nice and calm. They fed. They were nice and calm. They dozed off. And now we've overstimulated them again with a, with a diaper change and they need to come yeah. back down. And that is not hunger. That is your baby trying to calm down again. Very normal. Very, very normal. So you can do lots of different things with them for something like that. You can put them back on the breast because that's not going to hurt them. Um, and they will probably just go back to sleep. That would be the fastest way. Yeah, it would be the fastest way. You can just do something like with them. Babies really like rhythmic movement. So rocking or walking or something like that. You can absolutely just kind of cuddle them, rock them walk with them, you know, something to kind of like get that rhythmic movement and calm them again. But that is very normal. It doesn't mean they're starving. It doesn't mean that they're not getting enough milk. It is just a normal behavior for them. So the overstimulation, this is something that I we definitely need to talk about because it like it's so easily it just so easily happens with babies. Yeah. And 
It happens when they are swamped by more experiences, sensations, noise, and activity than they can cope with. That was one of the definitions that I found of overstimulation of a baby. And it isn't even just babies that this happens to. This is toddlers. This is older kids. This this is is adults. adults. Yeah. This is, we just know how to cope with it a little bit better. I've now that I've been doing this, like since I've been in maternal child health and I see this happen with babies every day, um, I recognize it like in myself. I recognize that that's what it is when I'm yep. not, when I feel like that, that I'm like, I'm just overstimulated right now. It's too much for me. I can't handle it. Like there's, you know, like if we're out somewhere, even sometimes if we're um, just watching TV, because sometimes Tom will put it up too loud. And I'll be like, oh, yeah. I, I can't, I can't handle it. You've got to turn it down because yeah. then we've got like surround sound and it's coming at me from different directions. And I'm like, this is too much. I, <laughs> you need to turn it down. And it's like, that's overstim- overstimulation for me. And it almost feels like I'm just going to jump out of my skin. I can't handle it. Yep. And your baby, that's how they get. They can get very overstimulated. And the way you know this is they can show you some different ways like that they are feeling overstimulated. They might be cranky or tired, or you might see more fussiness. Like you're seeing that that evening, you know, overstimulation, that mm-hmm. evening witching hour. Um, that a lot is a lot of overstimulation from the day. And I know that we've kind of like talked about this before, but like think about what you do. If your baby is like super fussy, think about what happened that day. Like what did you do? Did you go to a doctor's appointment and then stop at the store and then, you know, go home. And, you know, that's a lot on a baby. That's a lot of stuff. Do you have other kids or dogs barking? Um, Families that have multiple children, like your baby might just be overstimulated a little bit. And that's just like, you can't help that. That's just There's life. Other kids yeah. Are, yeah. That is just life. And your baby's yeah, going to get doesn't used to mean, it. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you did something wrong. It's just, no. it's just, they're just overwhelmed and they're just like, everybody gets overwhelmed sometimes and they need to come back down to baseline. It's, it's totally fine. And I one of the ways, I... and I don't mean to interrupt, but one of the ways no. that you can handle this and deal with it and try to do some more prevention is baby wearing, mm-hmm. having them in mm-hmm. a carrier, even if those buckle carriers are my favorite and they always come with a little snap hood that you can sn- cover the baby's head. If you're going to the grocery store, put them in there. You don't need to like, they don't need to see like the meat <laughs> section, you know, like just put them in there and like let them just like not even know where they are. You know, yeah. if they're a little bit older, they might not want that. But like a newborn or a young baby, you know, just put them in there. Oh, yeah, that's a great idea. Um, they might seem upset or turn their head away. You know, maybe you're like trying to play with them and they might like turn their head or whatever. They might seem kind of like they're uh, 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 kind of cranky, a little crazy, little kind of kind of like not having it. You might see jerky movements. And when I when I saw that, when I was like making note of that, it reminded me of those diaper changes. And I tell parents all the time, like, because babies will scream like newborns. Maybe yours doesn't, but a a lot of times you will see newborns just having a fit over a diaper change (laughs) and it is like overstimulating. You've got them undressed, you've taken off their clothes, you're wiping them with something that might be cold. Well, in my office, it's a cold wipe. So, you know, people are using obviously wipes that they pull out of their bag or whatever. But it's still cold. It's still cold. And babies are like, 
they're just like their legs are jerking around, their arms are jerking around. Like that is very overstimulating and for you're them. You're like you're facing down, you're facing them, but they're facing up, and there's the light mm-hmm. of the room is in their face suddenly. Yep. There's a lot going on there. So babies a lot of times will like just have a fit with those diaper changes. So that's kind of what I thought about with the jerky movements. It's like mm-hmm. that's perfectly fitting for a diaper change. They might clench their fists, wave their arms, kick, cry. Um, and sometimes you will see that like in the evening with overstimulation. They'll just like be just so worked up. And you're like, why are they so fussy about? And it it could be nothing. That you even realize, yeah. right? Like it, you could, not even realizing what it is, but that to them, it's like a big deal. So some of the stuff that can happen is to take away the stimulation. If you are, you know, if it's a, if it's a situation where you're kind of like at, if it's like in the evening, um, they're super fussy, they're overstimulated. Try to take them into a quiet room. Twi- try to like take some of that stimulation away. Maybe turn the lights down. Maybe turn the TV off. Um, sometimes you can't. You can't take away other kids. You know, like it's, that's not a possible thing. But yeah. just knowing, I think that that's kind of what's causing it, or that your baby's just overstimulated, and it's something that they will grow out of because they get used to it. They will. Their this is their nervous system that is very immature. So as they get stronger and they get a little bit older and bigger, their nervous system is going to be able to handle more stimulation. But a lot of this stuff is like this newborn, you know, these newborn behaviors. But then as your baby gets a little older, there is still going to be overstimulation. You might just not see it in the same way. It's like you said, this happens to everybody. I mean, people, if you have a toddler, you see it all the time. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. And yeah, and and yeah, it's just a part of life, right? And then you just have to learn to cope. So then, you know, you're, you're watching, as your kids get older, they watch you. How do you cope? Do you have four glasses of wine at the end of the day <laughs> because you can't calm down. <laughs> do you meditate? Do you run on the treadmill? Do you, you know, what do you do? What do we do to cope through these things? You know, and that's how we get through life. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have more that you want to say before I get onto reflexes? Um, no, go ahead. You, you go. Okay. Are you sure? Okay. I, yeah. So some of the new, New, some of the newborn reflexes that carry on until they're not newborn anymore, which is why we're going to talk about it. So the rooting reflex, that is that reflex where like if something touches the baby's cheek or brushes uh-huh. along their cheek, they turn their head. And the the point of that is that they're looking for the breast. That is definitely like why that's there. And a lot of people just, you know, automatically figure that it's a feeding cue, but it doesn't necessarily always mean that it's a feeding cue. So if your baby is doing that, look at your baby and say, okay, oh yeah, they're, they're swaddled and their blanket is rubbing up against their cheek, you know, or maybe somebody's holding them and the person's shirt is rubbing against their cheek. So the baby's trying to root, you know, it's like if you touch their cheek, they kind of root. So it's a reflex. So it's going to happen if something touches them. Or it's going to happen, it can be a feeding cue as well, where they'll do it like for a feeding cue because they're all looking for a breast. But this is something that's present for about the first four months of your baby's life. So you're going to kind of see them doing it and then you won't see them doing it anymore. It's just kind of like, 
be gone because it's just a reflex that kind of goes away. Their sucking yeah. reflex is an involuntary reflex. That is a that is something that most people do not understand. Is mm-hmm. that babies cannot help it. They will they suck. And the sucking is very soothing. It's very comforting for them. It's how they calm down a lot of the times. It's it's, you know, how they self-soothe by sucking. Um, but if you put a bottle in their mouth and they suck it down like they're starving to death. It's because it's a reflex and they can't help it. Yep. And, and a lot, lot of times it's really yeah. confusing for people because we're breastfeeding and then we're like, oh God, they're fussy. They must still be hungry. Oh, let's give them a bottle. Oh, well, look, they just sucked that whole bottle down. They drank the whole thing. So yeah. So I truly do have low supply. They truly were hungry. No, yeah, they, just don't, they well, can't. They 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 can't help it. I hear it so often and people be like, oh, you know, I breastfed the baby, but then they still took two ounces afterwards like because they can't help it. Your baby's not like I'm full, you know, like they they can like turn their head away and stop sucking. They can't. That's not they don't. It's not something that that they know how to do yet. And I I mean, full hunger and full are also sensations that I honestly I'm not sure that babies even recognize in the very beginning. I don't know that they know that they're full. No, you know, no. in the first week or two of their life. Well, and um, what are they the, supposed to do about it? I mean, right? They they they're a week old. I mean, they I just, wonder- they can't talk to you. They can't really move their head around. They're just they're they don't have that kind of muscle control or that awareness. Right. It's a lot to put together, and they're yeah. just not putting all that that complex stuff together yet. And I worked with a pediatrician who would tell patients, and I don't, I don't know if it's true or not. It's you know, but he used to tell patients that babies don't know the concept of full and hungry until about two weeks. Um, like I said, I don't, I don't really know. I don't even know how to research that. But I mean, it, it could makes be sense a thing. because mm-hmm. I mean, literally, all they're doing when they get out of the womb is just. I mean, they're still transitioning from being inside of you. They're not going to suddenly know that quickly, like, I'm full, I'm hungry. Right, they're not. Which is why, like, in that early, in the early time, like, you, you know, you do need to be waking them up to eat, eat and stuff because they're not, they're just not going to. Right. And that's why people say, should I wake them to eat? You kind of have to in those first couple of weeks because yeah, they sleep really through it. early on. Totally, because they don't—they're not going to wake up hungry and say, you know, they don't know. No, they don't know. Absolutely. The stepping reflex—you might see that if you hold your baby up and their feet touch the ground, you might see their feet kind of come up like they're stepping. Mm-hmm. But that is also their crawling reflex. So if you put the baby on on your chest and they kind of do that movement where they're pushing their feet, that is them trying to get to the breast. That is a very primal um, reflex that babies use to find the breast. So it's kind of like the breast crawl. I don't know if anybody's ever seen that or heard of that. Mm. Like when babies are first born and they're crawling their way to the breast. But that is also a reflex that babies use to get out of the womb. So some of these things are present. They're very primal reflexes and they're present to help babies survive. You know, the rooting reflex to find the breast, the crawling reflex or the the stepping to kind of like find their way to the breast. These are very primal survival reflexes for them 
Um, And that will last about two months. The grasping of the hands and feet. So if you like put your finger in the palm of their hand and they grasp your, you know, your hand, or if you touch the bottom of their feet and they're, they kind of curl their feet a little bit, those are also reflexes for them. And the hand reflex will last about five to six months and the feet will be about nine to 12 months. And if you think about it, like that kind of is funny because it makes sense that that's probably when they're, they're starting to try to figure out how to walk is when that reflex mm-hmm. is gone. Mm-hmm. So I think that's kind of cool. And then that's you have the time where you have to open their hands and clean their hands. Yeah. They're constantly <laughs> clenched and you open it and you're like, Oh my God, it's like a, all the floor dirt. <laughs> and all the dirt and in the world is in here. I know it's really gross. <laughs> um, and then the moral reflex or their startle reflex. That is when uh, they like, you know, they just kind of like, you put them down and they they just startle like their arms like yeah, shake. Yeah, I remember I, that freaking me out. Yeah, I, was I know. Like, oh my god, what's wrong? That is actually babies. I remember hearing like on a, actually I was like on a podcast or something I was listening to, and they were saying that that reflex is them like fall like they feel like they're falling. Like yeah. babies don't know where they are in space. Like they don't know where they are. They that's why it's important that they are are held close and they're tight and they, you know, kind of know um, they feel secure because they don't know where they are in space. And I try to keep that in mind when I'm seeing a baby being positioned for, for breastfeeding, because if they're positioned in such a way as a newborn where they're like, their legs are like dangling, you know, like that might, they need to be supported well and they don't know where they, you know, they need to feel like they have that support. And if you put them down like on a changing table and it's kind of sudden for them, that is them feeling like they're falling. Like you ever have those dreams where you like wake up because you like jerk around. Like that's kind of the, the same thing. And that's kind of how your baby feels. And that reflex is gone after about two months. So, I mean, very like new, this is a lot of newborn stuff. And when I talk to parents about a lot of this new, like this newborn behavior, I always tell them like, this is very newborn. Like this is newborn stuff. Mm -hmm. This isn't something that your baby is going to do forever. Your baby's not always going to be fussy. Your baby's not always going to be cluster feeding. Your baby's not always going to be, you know, crying for no reason. Like it just, this is a lot of newborn stuff. And if you are kind of aware of it, that makes it a lot easier to deal with it. And you won't always think your baby's just starving all the time. Like yeah. There's reasons for their behavior. Yeah. But yeah, so I think that's yeah. kind of a good place to start with newborn behavior, right? Like it's a lot yeah. of yeah. stuff. It is a lot of stuff. Um, mine were like really focused more on just breastfeeding in general. Um, but one of the things that I think that comes up a lot too is the frequent nursing through the night and waking through the night. Oh yeah. That is very normal. And mm-hmm. that's very confusing to people because they're like, well, the, the baby doesn't sleep like ever. <laughs> and yeah. and yeah, they're not supposed to. It's actually very dangerous for your baby who is a newborn to be sleeping. Well, okay. I don't want to say dangerous to sleep long such stretches because sometimes they do go for a few hours and then you want to wake them up to nurse because they're not going to wake up on their own. Um, but your baby's not like, they don't come out like just sleeping long periods of time. Like their brain is still developing. Um, they're in very purposefully and intentionally wired to wake up 
frequently and to sleep only in a very shallow state of sleep. Yeah. That's the safest for them. And that's when like you start messing with it and you're like, oh, let's just give them some formula or just put a little rice cereal in the bottom and ha- have them like sleep deeper for a little longer. Like that's not that's not safe. Mm-mm. That is a SIDS risk. Don't do that. Just expect that they are going to be awake and that you're not going to sleep. I remember talking to my friend who had a baby and he was like, the baby had turned one and I was like, so how's it going? And he was like, he's like, you know, it's icy. He's like, as soon as you just like, it, it, like accept the fact that you're not going to sleep, it's fine. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. That, I'm glad you like mentioned that and the baby was a year because people all oh. the time yeah. say to me, well, shouldn't the baby be sleeping through the night no. at this point? Should I be worried? Should I be concerned? No, no, not at all. And it, and this kind of goes along with like when you were talking about earlier about the feeding frequency. And I'll ask people because sometimes, oh my God, the baby feeds all the time. Like I'll get that like, especially when I was working in the pediatric office because I would see people at like, you know, a couple days of life yeah. or whatever. I'd be like, the baby is feeding all the time. I'd be like, okay, define all the time. Well, like every two hours. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's normal. You it feels like it. a lot, right? Because by the time you get done with that feed and you change a diaper and you finally are like, okay, we're done with this. Mm-hmm. It's time to feed him again. Mm-hmm. And that's what it's like. That is a normal newborn process. Um, same with the overnight. I've had people say, oh my God, but we're up half the night. By the time I get him fed and swaddled, then they poop again. And then I got to change him again. But that is just a, that is a newborn thing. And I can't help you with the pooping piece. That is just something that they do. <laughs> that is, you know, like you can't, you're going to have to expect that, but yeah, yeah. it's and, hard, but it's, yeah. it's, and this is, I'm sorry. This is where the whole point of our isolated society comes in. Because if we, you know, throughout history, humans have lived in, you know, with extended family and extended community um, member, you know, relationships and stuff. And there were multiple people taking care of babies or taking care of other things while you were taking care of your new baby. And like, we don't have that now. So all of these things that they do, it's just like, it's, you know, you're, it's such a shock, you know, you're like, oh my God, this is such a shock, but you know, how am I supposed to sleep to get ready for tomorrow? How am I supposed to get any sleep so that I can get up to go to work? Well, this isn't how humans are meant to be, you know, working 40 hours a week, sleeping eight to 10 solid hours at night. That's just not how we have existed. It's not the way our bodies are wired. But we're forcing this, you know, onto us. So babies seem like such an inconvenience. And it's just how they are. And it's because we're, you know, we're so isolated now. We don't have anybody. We just have ourselves. Yeah. And for some reason. Yeah. And our expectations are so. Well, yeah. And that's the other thing is because we're so isolated, we don't see newborns. Newborns are kept inside of the house. With the, you know, the new parents and the, you know, it's like, don't bring your baby out, you know, because whatever. That's also not how humans have ever been. Babies have always just been around, you know, people taking care of them and holding them and bringing them around. Older children taking care of them. And now babies are just isolated inside of the house. And so you have a newborn. I mean, the first time I ever held a baby was when I held my baby. Mm-hmm. And I don't, you see all this stuff that newborns do that it seems so weird, but it's because you've never really been around a newborn. I mean, unless right. you're like an older child and, you know, but then also who remembers that? And also, 
you know, it's not consistent and it's, our society just doesn't know newborns. Yeah. And then it's just such a shock. Yeah. When it's a complete you know, shock. Like, what is yeah. this baby doing? This seems like an alien. I know. <laughs> we don't see it as just like an extension of life, you know, like this is how they are when they're first born and then how they are at the end of life. And, you know, yeah, anyway. so much. Yeah. So, well, they, so that's thanks, it. Yeah. That's a lot All of the newborn of stuff. Say, newborns are weird and it's not a feeding issue. Right. Exactly. Bottom line. Thanks, thanks for it. listening. Thank you. Bye. Bye.